Welcome to the Free Birth Podcast, a supportive space for people who are learning, exploring, and celebrating their autonomous choices in childbirth. Together, we'll unpack truths, share personal stories, and claim our ability to birth freely and intuitively. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. craving a community of like-minded women? Do you feel like an outsider in your family or your community? Well, I may have the place for you. We have a Free Birth Society private online community that's full of radical and wild women just like you. If you resonate with the topics that we explore on this podcast and want to belong in a circle of women who support each other in the self-exploration of free birth and wild mothering, come join us. You can apply online at our website, freebirthsociety.com. It's where myself and my team are hanging out these days, and we would love to get to know you. Kristen and I about her second pregnancy and first fully autonomous wild pregnancy. Kristen has much wisdom to share as she reflects on the lessons she's learning and how she's navigating this space and time of her life becoming a mother of two. Kristen was on the first season sharing about her euphoric birth and difficult postpartum, so check that out if you want to hear more from her. remembering your story as I'm, as I'm calling it forth in my mind right now and um, that you had a pretty epic birth experience and, and spoke about it so poetically and had this wonderful midwife uh, come in at the end and took some great pictures and supported you in, in some wonderful ways. Um, and my impression was that you had a very positive experience with, with the attendance that you chose. Um, and so, yeah, take me to now you go through a relatively challenging postpartum. I remember you calling it the underworld. Um, and, yeah. <laughs> and, and your boy is not that old. He's how old is he now? He's 20 months now. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah. tell me about this pregnancy. And, um, also I'm curious kind of the, it, how much intention was, was behind it mm-hmm. consciously or yeah. not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I had, I did have a great first pregnancy and birth and like I didn't have anything um, that you know was like really standing out that I didn't want or you know I didn't have any interventions that I didn't want and I liked everyone that was at my birth and um, so yeah that wasn't really an issue postpartum I had some definitely some a lot of breastfeeding problems which I talked about in that other episode and I'd say the most challenging months were like three to six months postpartum. And maybe that was because the first three months I was like, I did have a lot of support and I was like doing all the things. And I thought like, okay, for sure, this is going to get better. Mm -hmm. And then when it just kind of plateaued and it wasn't getting better, it was like, shit, I'm just like losing my reserves and I, you know, the sleep deprivation and all of that. So I would say months three to six were just like really challenging. My partner was working again and I didn't have as many people around. So that was really hard. It's like the dead Um, zone kind of. Yeah, it is kind of. And I've talked to other moms about that who feel kind of similar. It's like 
baby's still super dependent on you and needs you all the time. Well, it's like the same with grief, right? When you lose someone close to you, those yeah. first couple of months are usually full of support. And then there's this, well, now it's a bad way to phrase it, calling it the dead zone, but there, <laughs> then there is this phrase, you know, phase yeah. that can go on for, well, forever really. If no one's really acknowledging it anymore. Mm-hmm. No one's really ch- checking in and bringing you food and yeah, but you're and still totally in it. Yeah. And I didn't want, I also didn't want to just keep complaining about it all the time. Right, like, right. I was sick of it Totally. Too. So, like, so what I happened at six months? What was the freshness? I don't know. Just something shifted inside of me and um, think like, you know, like as the baby changes too and you, you're interacting in different ways and new things are coming. And I just felt like, you know, I was more at peace with our situation and the breastfeeding relationship that we did have. And I felt like, okay, like I knew I was just going to keep going as long as it was working and it was working at the time. So it wasn't our, my ideal, but it was it was still something. And, um, yeah, I just was like, you know, it's time to like keep moving forward and enjoy this time with my son. Like he's so, so little still. And so, yeah, that really started to shift. And then, you know, you go through phases, like around 12 months, I started sleeping a lot better. He like Mm. magically slept through the night, um, on his own. And that shifted a lot for me too. I just felt like I had a lot more energy and totally. And then we had been, so we were planning a move and that was around, I was like 14 months postpartum and like this all happened at the same time. Like we were moving, we were going to stay with my family for the summer. We were putting our stuff in storage. Um, We had been living like in Orange County for six years. So it was like a pretty significant step. And, um, we were thinking about like when we would want to have another one, but we were So that was like in our, in conversation, but we pretty much knew that we wanted to wait until after we had settled somewhere else and like, you know, found a new flow with our life. But I think like just even opening the dialogue of that, um, gave this baby the opportunity to be like, oh yeah, sure. Let's do this now. Yeah. So it was just like so many things colliding together that, that had to happen for this baby to be conceived because I was tracking my period and like tracking ovulation and all of that. And so how many um, months postpartum did you conceive the second kid? I was like 14 and a half months. And then did you figure it out pretty quickly? Mm-hmm. And how and did I that feel? Pretty quickly. I was really, really surprised. Wow. Oh my God. Because we had, we had a little bit of a mistake like during that cycle and I knew it. And I was like, I mean, we never, that never happens. To right, us. You're like, what are the chances? I'm like, what are the chances? It's yeah. like the one time we've been together for almost 10 years. Like, come on, yeah. give me a break. And my son had been breastfeeding more so because he was sick. So I felt like maybe my ovulation was off anyways. Mm-hmm. So I was just like total chill about it. I was like, yeah, my period's a week late, whatever. And yeah, and then yeah, I just like was like, wow, like this is for real. Like this is really like I'm definitely pregnant. Whoa. And um yeah, it was hard at first because I was like I was living with my brother at the time. Um we weren't in our like normal environment. Right. I didn't have a lot of my like normal creature comfort stuff. And um so it was just like unsettling. I Even just the uh, the experience, which 
I haven't had yet because I've only been pregnant once. I, I'm trying to imagine the experience of discovering you're already pregnant. Like that, I know most people, that is how babies come, (laughs) but that really is just, wow. Like what a, (laughs) I mean, wow. Okay. So yeah. And you're totally not settled. You're in this big transition already. Yeah. You've finally gotten the hang of things with your kiddo and and just past a year. Yeah. So, um, and you know, like it was kind of like, okay, well, we we both kind of felt like we wanted to go forward with the pregnancy. Like, you know, of course we had a discussion around doing a termination, but we were both like, no, like that's not even, that's not what we want to do. Like we know we want to have another kid. Like we just need right. to readjust exactly, things yeah. to make it work a little bit easier for us now. So, but that was hard because, um, we had been like, I had been thinking about my next birth and like, thinking about what that would be like. And, um, we kind of had some plans around that, like what we wanted to do and how we wanted to prepare for that. And I knew that wasn't going to be possible that it was happening so soon. So do you want to speak to that at all? What you yeah, mean? sure. So we were hoping to like save some more money and for the next birth, be able to both of us take time off work and, oh, gotcha. and like go out of the country to birth and for a lot of reasons that is just like not possible right now. Right. My husband's not a citizen. So we like need to wait on that. And just some other, like other financial pieces that mm-hmm. wouldn't have come into place in time. So I was really bummed about that. Cause I was like really wanting to birth outside of the U S and, um, third baby. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, uh, I just felt really sad about it. Yeah. And it was just like, I had to let that Uh, you know, I cried about it a lot and I just kind of had to let that process be what it was and not force it to go away right away or like, you know, so that was really hard. And then I was, um, not feeling great. Like it wasn't terrible, but like, it was also like, you know, pretty intense. And we left my brother's house and we went to stay with my mom, which was great because she was like able and available to help more with my son. And it took some of the pressure off me just around that. And so that was like the gift of this early pregnancy. It was like, I was in a position where I didn't have to work and I had my mom around to like cook if I needed or take my son out for an hour or whatever. And so, yeah, that was like, even though it was really, really challenging, it was really sweet just to have that time with her. And, um, yeah, so that kind of takes us through like the first trimester. And I mean, that whole time I wasn't really thinking much about, um, where we were going to end up moving. Like that was still all up in the air. I was just kind of like day-to-day living like, okay, just like, this is what's happening right now. This is like my real situation. I didn't realize in your transition, um, because we're also friends in real life, I didn't realize that when you were um, figuring out where you were going to land, you had already uprooted. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that was like the plan the whole time is like, let's go stay with my family for the summer and we'll like go check out Colorado. We'll go check out these places and then we'll decide on what we're going to do next. Oh my gosh. We had some ideas, but like nothing was really for sure. Okay. And And so so, 
you're living day to day, you're getting through the first trimester and how do you start compassing towards, um, you know, not seeking outside prenatal care and, and diving into this, this free birth concept? Yeah. I mean, I think I had kind of already been so turned on to that during my first pregnancy and like, um, even though I loved the care that I got and like, I really liked going to check in with my midwife, like that was not problematic for me in any way. It was also kind of like, okay, well like, yeah, is this really necessary? Like what, what am I gaining from this? So that's what I just started asking myself, like, um, if I were to see someone, if I were to see anyone, a midwife, a doctor, whoever, like what, what can they provide for me that I want or need? And it was just kind of like, well, there's nothing really right now that I need. So I just kind of kept checking in with that. And, and yeah, it's just kind of been like that. It's like, I just don't feel, I don't feel like someone else can provide me something that I don't already have. If that changed, then maybe I would seek an outside resource or something. But yeah, I just kind of felt like it's just normal normal life. Like there was nothing outside of the ordinary happening to me. That's how I feel about pediatricians. And and it's really (laughs) hard for my mom to wrap her head around this. You know, it's like, yeah, if something is happening with my baby that I don't understand, of course I would seek help and assistance and resources. But as long as it's within the range of um, what I'm understanding, I don't, I don't actually need the extra support or help right. or, or input, right. you know? And, um, and so, yeah, I'm hearing a, a similar theme with your story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I knew like, and another thing is like, even if I wanted to get blood work done or something, like I could just do that myself. Like that's not a huge, huge thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, I mean, all the, some of the prenatal testing, like I'm, I denied a lot of that the first time around anyway. So I'm not really, I don't really feel like I'm missing out or like something's missing. Mm -hmm. Um, I did. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I had one ultrasound my first and like, it was kind of not the best experience. So I was happy to not do that at all. (laughs) So where are you at now in your pregnancy? Now I'm 26 weeks. Okay. So you're, you're well into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're approaching the end. Uh, and so, you know, obviously the, the intention or idea of this, of this episode with you was to just to dive into the work that, uh, this pregnancy and, and, and specifically doing it, um, you know, autonomously and, and having it be the second pregnancy after your first experience and all that comes with adding a second kid and going through postpartum again, which wasn't uh, super easy for you. So, so yeah, let's, let's get into that. So yeah, being 26 weeks pregnant now, when would you say the real like nitty gritty work started to come up? Uh, that happened like about two to three minutes after I found out, like after I took a pregnancy <laughs> test. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I think just because it was unexpected, there was so much for me to navigate in the beginning around that and around control and, um, you know, timelines and, and like, you know, having this plan and we like really wanted another conscious conception. And it's like, okay, well, we knew we wanted to conceive again. So like, it's not like it was totally off the table. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, there was just a lot for me to navigate in the beginning around that and, um, around feeling like we needed to make a decision on the move and where were we going to end up living and, and coming to the realization that like, I kind of needed to yield to my body in this situation and like where, um, before it had felt good to maybe consider like changing environments pretty drastically then like all of a sudden in the physicality of being pregnant, it was like, I just need a familiar environment. Like that's the reality of what I'm experiencing day to day is like, it was really hard for me in the summer. We were, when we were staying with my family, we we're staying in Kansas and I grew up there. So it's like, you'd think it'd be within my range of normal, but it's been so long since I've lived there full time. It was extremely hot, extremely humid. I was nauseous. So like every time I would go outside, it was just like the worst combination ever. Yeah. I mean, I think every pregnant person can relate to that. So, and I just, that was constantly in my face and reminding me of like, actually, I just, I can't not prioritize what my body wants. Like that's just not an option. So that was hard because it was like, we really wanted to kind of find a place that we felt more in community and, um, yeah, that felt like a more permanent solution, but that wasn't happening. Like my body was just like, take me back to the environment where this little egg was like growing in because that's what I know. And, um, so that was really interesting, uh, in the beginning. So yeah, that started in the beginning and then let's see, moving through the pregnancy. I just had a lot of like, through that transition, we moved back to um, Southern California area, just not Orange County. So we're in San Diego County now. And through that transition, there was just a lot of ups and downs and emotional processing that was happening. And it was just so much that I kind of just, it was like, I had to really, really surrender to that process and stop trying to figure out how I could fix it or make it better. Or, and that's not to say that like, I wanted to just like wallow in self-pity or something or like be super depressed, but it was just like, wow, it's today I feel really shitty. And then the next day I would feel fine. And it's just like, what do you do? <laughs> up and down. And it's yeah. like, yeah, what am I going to do? And it was being reflected to me through my toddler too. So it was just mm -hmm. like this huge dance of, um, just, yeah, like I think I'd mentioned to you just like really sitting down with myself and being with myself and not pathologizing what I was going through and not making it something, you know, giving it a lot of meaning, I think like that it means something's wrong with me or that, you know, that I don't want this baby or whatever mm -hmm. it is. Like overanalyzing everything. Yeah. Overanalyzing yeah. every emotion that I felt instead, just like letting it process through my body. And then like, you know, net tomorrow will be like totally different. Like they say in yoga, bless it and let it go. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, and it totally brings up the the truth that, that you know, all suffering comes from our thoughts, right? And yeah. and the resistance to what is, is um, where, is the origin of suffering and pain. And so you, you are physically, you know, ha experiencing in the first trimester, experiencing, um, you know, the, the very normal 
ebbs and flows um, that that are inherently challenging, especially with a child. Um, but then the next layers of actually resisting it, and, and yeah, all yeah. of the all the headiness that comes with the why is this happening? This isn't what I wanted. All yeah, of that yeah. makes it actually very easy to go into a place of suffering um, versus it sounds like what you were playing with versus just riding it and letting it be what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think through that process, I mean, you know, continuing through my pregnancy, like I kind of just knew that I wasn't going to seek care unless something major I felt was wrong. Um, so I was really just focused on that emotional work and like, I felt like I had the space to do it if that makes sense. Like, yeah, I just felt like I wasn't worried about what test was coming next. I wasn't worried about my next doctor visit or midwife visit. I wasn't. Well, and you weren't basing your experience off of what strangers say to you. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, that's what I see all the time. And I'm sure you do too, is, is not everybody, but but when people are seeking quote unquote care, which often it, it doesn't resemble care at all, um, you know, and, and somebody's telling you how you are, uh, it, it like dumbs down or creates this very real blind spot where, it, you know, it, women stop checking in with themselves. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it sucks that that's true, but that has been what I have seen again and again and again. And so this not, not, you know, going against that paradigm and, and actually turning in, which I'm not saying you can't do both. Um, I, I think that there is a way, though very challenging and very rare, um, but there is a way to hold your autonomy in the system to a degree, but the entire setup of the system is to have you be submissive and to tell you how you are. And so, yeah. you know, when you have these wild pre- pregnancies, um, it's surprising how much work there is there that um, because it's a turning in, right? Because everything is is happening within yourself and surfacing and um, there's nowhere to go with it, right? Except for you to do the work. Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, I, I completely relate to that. And even just like looking back at my last pregnancy, I mean, I did a lot of work during that pregnancy as well. But there is something to say about like not having any outside assistance or care like from someone else. Like it is a different experience, that's for sure. Um, and I mean, it is one of those things like I can even see just certain situations where I've like taken a little more responsibility to do something if I had a question if I was like, hmm, I wonder where my ba- my baby's placenta is. I wonder this, I wonder that. Um, instead of thinking like, oh, I can ask my midwife at my next visit. I'm like, how could I figure that out intuitively mm. now? Mm. So that's been really interesting too. It's just yeah. like, oh, I can actually totally kind of intuitively figure out where my placenta is. Like, that's not that hard, you know, it's based so cool. on I mean, yeah, just how my baby's tired. moving and like what right. I feel and like, it's just, it's Not just it's so paradigm shifting to really, you know, I, I feel like a lot of the kind of spiritual culture says it all the time, but to actually um, actualize the truth that the answers are inside of us, you know, that's, that's really deep, you know, because yeah. I, I remember in, in my second trimester when, when I felt like the work was really kicking in for me, I would have moments or, or experiences where I really craved validation and the validation being I wanted someone else to tell me my baby was normal and my baby was growing and healthy. Um, and 
I also was unwaveringly going to not choose to go do that. And so um, sitting in that and being like, why do I want that? What, what are they going to give me? What are the tools they're going to use? What is, um, what is it that I'm looking for outside of myself that I'm not able to give myself? And can I give that to myself? Um, and it was beautiful. It was so beautiful and uncomfortable to sit in that space between the lie that someone else can tell you everything's fine. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was really what it was. Is I I was playing with that lie that that you know cultures told us, um, you know, for so long that like a doctor could just tell you everything's fine, which is not true. We know that that's right, not true. right. Um, and so, what does it feel like inside of myself? Not necessarily to always be able to say I undoubtedly know my baby's fine, but to sit in. I actually maybe don't know in this moment and and how does that feel to just be in that yeah uh, which I think yeah. mentally prepared me very very well for for my birth yeah yeah no that totally makes sense I can definitely relate to that too it's yeah it is just kind of like and I mean like I said, for me, the processing during this pregnancy has been like way more emotional and like cultivating resilience and, um, just expanding my like embodied capacity to feel and be with like everything that's present simultaneously. Um, and yeah, quite honestly, like less has come up about just the physicalities of being pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, very, very rarely have I thought like something's up or something's not right. Or I've just kind of felt like I feel fine. So like my baby must be fine too. Mm -hmm. Um, and even if it's not, what am I going to do right now? Yeah. Nothing. So, you know, what's the point of like going down the rabbit hole? so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Worrying about something that is probably not there. And that you can't really control it at all at this yeah, point. And, yeah. And it's like, yeah, there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. It feels like totally just like a normal part of my life. I mean, yeah, obviously my body's changing and like things, you know, I'm making adjustments, like caring for my toddler and stuff. Like I'm not carrying his, him as much as I used to and, you know, small things like that. But overall, like, it's been pretty easy in terms of, um, day-to-day -day life. Like it's just kind of like, yeah, part of, well, and I guess before, before we were recording, you were speaking to kind of the, um, not to put words in your mouth, but like the, like letting it be easy, letting it, yeah, letting it yeah, be so normal, all of that. Yeah. That's come up a lot too. So like, we have, I have like all this emotional intensity going on, which it's kind of subsided now. Like I'm in a little bit of a different place than I would say the first half of my pregnancy, but, um, w even while that was happening, like I felt the pregnant pregnancy itself was like easy. And it's like, can I just let that part of my life be easy? Can like, I just like, I fully trust this pregnancy. I don't have a lot of fears coming up. Like, is that okay? is it okay that it's just like this, that I feel good about it? Like that I feel like it's just a part of my life. Um, so it's like, I think almost like I was wanting someone to give me permission to just like, let that part be okay. Mm -hmm. You know, like obviously I wasn't doing that or seeking permission from someone or whatever, but it was like, I could notice that coming up internally. Like, 
wow, this is really easy for me. Is it okay that. that something's easy for me? Yeah. You know, like there are other areas of my life that are challenging right now. You better let some parts be easy. Yeah. <laughs> my God. But this part is easy and that's yeah. okay. And like, how can I let that penetrate my system more and like really just like enjoy that this is easy. Right. And such a big thing, letting it be easy. I mean, in a culture that, you know, is so fearful of pregnancy and, and womanhood and birth and postpartum, uh, what a big thing to claim that, that you aren't fearful. It's, it's almost, you know, not allowed to be said, you know, that to yourself even much less out in a public space. So how does that, how does that feel to, to declare that you're not fearful? Yeah. I mean, for me, like what I noticed just happening is, um, I just feel like that my, I feel like my voice is like really clear and confident and coming from a deeper place than if, you know, than if I'm speaking to something else, but I just feel like that is actually true is like, I'm not afraid and that's okay. And yeah, it just feels like it's so necessary to let that um, part of me have a voice like externally too. Mm. And the thing is, is like, I know women who are birthing more in the system with the second or third, and they're also not super afraid in some cases. Like I was just talking to a friend of mine who's pregnant with her second and she's birthing, um, at a birthing center. And she, she said, it's kind of similar. She's like, I just feel overly confident. And like, she wouldn't want to tell someone else that. Mm. Um, so that's, yeah, it's just, I think it's interesting to, to think about like. But you've also, you're already a mother. I mean, you've also, yeah, it, it makes even more, it, you know, in a way it's like you, you already have street cred, <laughs> like you've yeah. already, you've already gone through it and had a wonderful experience, you know, in your birth, in your pregnancy. And so it makes sense to me that, um, you know, it's not like you had a horrific um, birth, you know, where you walked away with these lies about how broken your body is. I mean, okay, that person is going to have some stuff to work through. Yeah. But you, have, you have like a touchstone, you know, of of what it can be and and what it most likely will be. Again, of course, a different story, but yeah, uh, of course, a healthy, normal, you know, wonderful birth. So then I'm wondering, kind of, then when we when we transition into postpartum and envisioning that, because that was a challenging space for you last time, do you feel nervous and fear coming up around that? Like, how are you holding this wonderful confidence and, and fearlessness and, um, trust, it sounds like in, in, in the space that you're in right now, in the space that you're moving into the birth, um, you know, how are you like letting that charge also rewriting your postpartum and wondering how your head's, yeah, just kind of landing. Yeah. With, do you feel nervous about postpartum? Um, I mean, I feel nervous about pieces of it, but it's more about the unknown pieces of like having a second child and how that's going to change the my family. So I think it's um, definitely my concerns are more around like, how's my son going to respond? Like, how are we going to, you know, integrate a baby into our life? And um, as far as like the postpartum challenges I had with the breastfeeding the first time around, I, I mean, I kind of just like, I mean, I've worked through a lot of it and I kind of just feel like there's no way it could go the, exactly the same way it went last time. It's just not like, it's just not probably. Yeah. yeah. So I have that experience like already, I have more experience going into this time. Like I'm still going to get 
you know, some extra support for after the baby arrives, but I'm not really thinking too much about like, well, if I have this breastfeeding problem or if I have that, I'm going to do this. Like, I'm just like, I have a lot more resources than I did the first time around. Mm -hmm. I have a lot more experience. So I kind of just feel like it will go better. And Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not also not super worried about that like day to day. Well, it sounds like you are deeply trusting your internal resources too. Even your resources to access your resources. Yeah. (laughs) Like your internal resources that, that, you know, you're, you're, you've been through it. You're wiser. You, like you said, you've already, um, yeah, like, um, access you know, external resources, you know, how to prep a little bit better, whatever it, it may be. Um, and, and of course, how could that be anything but confidence building, you know, it's such a nice perspective. Um, and I think, you know, and I wish I saw more repeat mamas, you know, after having their first kind of call on that, you know, yeah. cause I think a lot of women, really fixate on what went wrong, quote unquote, you know, the, the things that went wrong or the things they didn't like and fiercely being like, I have to rewrite this and it can't happen again. And that is not invalid at all. That makes complete sense that that Mm -hmm. would be where a head would go. Um, but you know, I think that we have to be careful of giving it so much energy that, um, we actually are fueling, you know, that quote, worrying is putting energy towards something you don't want. Um, right, right. And, and I see women really fixate on, yeah, what, whatever it is, maybe it's the breastfeeding didn't go great or the, um, you know, the birth or the tearing yeah. or whatever it was that happened. It's like, you got to let yourself have a new story because if, if we know anything about birth, you know, every story is so uniquely different and every postpartum is quite different. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, just like letting yourself have that wisdom and, and relaxation around it can only fuel a better energy. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's just like, you know, it is going to be different and there may be something else that comes up that I don't expect. And like, I'll deal with that. Like that's, it's not something I want to like, like I said, I just don't want to spend a lot of time worrying about that right now because it well, doesn't seem like a useful, yeah, and this I really- useful thing to do. This really is to me getting into the the real edge of why this stuff, free birth, wild pregnancy, whatever, is so completely paradigm shifting for for us all because um this really is like we have culture over here saying prepare for everything, you know, something fucked is going to happen, you know, or at least it might. And so you (laughs) better be in captivity with a NICU and with an OR. And, and, and statistically, you know, we all know that that's actually not true, that, that very, 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 very few moms and babies um, need significant assistance. Right. So, you know, but because it's painted as we're all just random targets and you never know who it's going to be, which I don't think is completely true. Um, but emergencies do happen. We all know that, of course, they're very yeah. rare. Um, and, and with a healthy, normal you know, mom and a healthy, normal pregnancy, it is, it is extremely likely, not even just like a little likely, it is extremely likely that you could or would have a normal physiological safe birth at home. And so you know, back to my point that I feel like we're getting into this intersection of um, why this is such a big deal to make these choices because you're actually saying, you know, and I completely resonate with it. I trust my inner resources, and whatever happens, uh, I'm I believe and trust in myself that I'm going to be able to handle it. And when yeah. when we're able to sit in that space 
of life, not just pregnancy, not just birth, but of life, it feels so calm. And and the reality is you actually will be able to access your inner resources better from a calm, relaxed, you know, trusting yeah. space. Um, you know, and I think this is where so many people who who just cannot wrap their head around these choices that that you and I and so many women we know are making um, because of the the obsession with the what if you know just the obsession with it and and I I do a lot of coaching sessions with women who want to go over um, the emergency stuff and there's nothing wrong with that at all of course not but there's no way. I or a doctor or anyone could prepare anyone for every single possible iteration of emergency um, at all. No. <laughs> it's just not possible. And so if if you are someone you know that's listening that is obsessing over all the possible complications, I would actually say I don't think you're a good fit for um for having a, a fully unassisted, you know, home birth where you're, you're the kind of only one there that's, that's weighing in on this. Um, because if you can't get out of that space, um, it actually will be harder to tune into your instincts yeah. and, to, and to drop down into theta and to really, um, relax into the, the, the physiology of, of your birth sequence. Um, anyway, so yeah, I just, I think it's so cool because in a way it's like the most simple statement in the world to be like, I'm just, relying on my inner resources and whatever happens, like I got it. Uh, and I totally feel the same way, but really, wow, what a, what a mega statement to make about, you know, your life as a woman in this world, because that is not how we're raised. That is not how we're treated. Um, and, and particularly in our reproductive experiences. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, um, like it's become radical to trust, you know? Yeah. I was just going to say, like, I just kind of trust myself. Like yeah. what's the big deal right. really? But yeah, it is really a radical thing to, to, um, prioritize your inner, like you were saying, prioritize your inner resources over, um, preparing for every potential, potential thing that could come up, every potential situation or complication or, um, and yeah, I, I think, you know, like, like you said, it is, it's totally valid. Like if there's something you feel like you need to know to prepare for free birth, like preparing for some type of potential, um, emergency, then yeah, do that. Like, that's a totally valid thing to do. And you just, you can't prepare for all of it. So in the end, you kind of have to have something else to resource from, like, you're not going to always be able to find like the answer in your mind as quickly as you might think, rather than resourcing from what's actually happening in your physiology. Right. Like it sounds like you'd want a doctor there. Like if you're going to, you know, like, and that's totally fine. But if you are the objective you, you know, if you are um, committed or addicted to pathologizing your experience, then go play where they pathologize everything, you know, and that's completely fine if that's the arena where you feel comfortable. Um, but I, I see so many women kind of on the fence and, and I, and I get it. It's, it's really, it's not a critique at all um, or a criticism, you know, of women being drawn to this and kind of interested in it, but still very much having the majority of their spirit in the medical paradigm of, um, like I said, you know, really being focused on the fear. Um, and, and it, you know, people say that birth has fear has no place in birth. And I don't actually agree with that. I think that, yeah, I don't think, yeah, 
necessary. <laughs> right. Me either. I don't at all. Um, I think that yes, fear and trust might, you know, they might be on opposite ends of the spectrum, but, um, I actually think, you know, that, that our capacity to hold all of it, um, is, is very wide and very capable. Um, you know, and I mean, I didn't really feel, feel much fear about the actual birth process. Um, you know, and, and like you were saying, just like waves of thoughts in my pregnancy, especially the further on it went, would come through and I would just be like, whoa, that's crazy. You know, like I remember just being like, does it have a face? Oh my God, it doesn't have a face. It doesn't have a face. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'd trip out for a couple of minutes of like, oh my God, you know, and then I'd be like, okay, well, nothing I can do about that. <laughs> like, <laughs> what am I going to do? I guess we'll find out in a couple of months. <laughs> what are you going to do? And, but this is, it's, 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 you know, how they say they, um, that quote, you birth how you live. You know, it's just, it's so true. You know, you die, yeah. how you live, you birth, how you live, you live, how you live. And so if you are living from a space of self-inquiry and um, exploration and where you are either already have achieved or you're learning how to ally with yourself, um, you're, you're going to, you're going to have, you're at least going to have the resources to compass towards a powerful experience. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So that's, I mean, another thing that's really come, come up during this pregnancy, like once we kind of settled in San Diego and like, I was doing a little bit of work again and stuff and I was still, you know, needing to tend to myself a little bit more and like resting more. And I just kind of realized some places where I was like holding on to valuing myself as what I'm producing, like out in the world and like what I'm contributing that's outside the home. And, um, I think that's just like a reflection of where we are culturally right now is like, that's kind of what we're indoctrinated to value and mothering is not really valued. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of people say it's valued, but like, it's not (laughs) shown to us is like clearly telling us that this is definitely not valued culturally or societally. So that I was kind of pushing up against that a little bit. Mm. And I feel like with one child, it was like, I could still maintain like a good amount of productivity and like have a good flow, like after the first initial three to six months or whatever. But now with adding a second, I feel like, whoa, (laughs) (laughs) basically (laughs) I'm just giving up the next two years of my life. Oh man. And I, I mean, I do kind of 
I'm like, wow, I just really have to yield to this phase of my life. And right. like, my children are totally a priority and being with them when they're babies, like that is top priority. Like we will make big changes to make that happen if necessary. Um, so, and it's such a short time in the grand scheme of, you know, a hundred years or 90 years yeah. or whatever it's going to be, hopefully, you know, to look back and, and go, okay, yeah, I, I maybe pulled back my work or didn't work or whatever for five years of my life or even 10 years of my life. If yeah. Another kid. Um, but yeah, that shift, what you just said about from one kid, it's like, yeah, I could still be relatively productive. Yeah. But it's too, like, like relative. I but... have no idea how that's going <laughs> to look. Oh my God. Yeah. So I like, I'm just kind of like, you know what? And part of me has just totally taken a fuck it attitude. Like, honestly. Um, nice. It's free. Which like is kind of just like what, you know, it's kind of freeing. Cause I'm like, there are certain things like I do care about the work I'm doing in the world. I do want to continue doing it. And like, at what cost, like, I'm also not gonna, you know, exhaust myself to do it. And mm-hmm. part of the work I'm doing is just in the way that I'm showing up to the work that I'm doing, which is mm-hmm. kind of interesting to think about, but like, you know, it's kind of about, can I make this a priority and live this actually in my life? Right. If I'm going to be like working with women in this way and like for a longer period of time, then this is the phase where I need to also be like more internal and like more home focused. And, um, right. Because you're not just an acupuncturist. You are, you are so many, you know, you're bringing so many roles and personas and, and, um, not just skills, like actual roles in the world to the table. And yeah, of course. So, so to bring the mother to the table for a longer period of time and, you know, but that is, it's all like, they're all together at the table, you know, you're going to be teaching your clients, um, by way of doing this. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it's just about like being realistic with what I'm able to do and like knowing that, And I, you know, I do have some experience, like I did go through that first year postpartum. So I kind of, you know, I know what it's like to have a baby. Um, I don't know what it's like to have two. (laughs) I mean, and to me, my 20 month old, like he's still a baby to me Mm -hmm. now. I mean, he has a lot of of needs and, um, so yeah, it's just like lowering my expectations of what I'm, you know, what I'm going to be able to do in that first year or even two years or however long it takes and just giving myself value just in being here on, you know, just being part of life. And, um, it's like, it's like that role of the mother, you know, we talk about the death of the maiden and then birthing into a mother, but as you're reborn into a new mother of two, you know, like who you were as a maiden with no kids, what you could accomplish out in the world, um, looked very big. Right. And then you have one kid and you like got to hone in and then you're gonna have two and hone in even more. And obviously, I mean, it's cheesy, but it's totally true. Like the work you're doing with your children, um, for this dedicated period of time is the work that you're doing in the world. And right. right, Exactly. In a society that like totally phoning it in on all fronts with how, how they treat mothers and, and, you know, devalue mothers. Um, it's really, it's almost like not allowed to say that, Hey, I'm going to take this time to, to have this be my contribution. It's such a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, no, it really is. And I mean, that's also been a gift too, because 
you know, I'm like, it's made me more effective in the ways that I do work and the ways that I do want to, you know, participate in something external. Like I'm just a lot, I have a lot more boundaries around that and a lot more, um, discernment, I would say like around what I do want to do and what I'm like, "Ah, I don't have to do that. You know, Mm -hmm. whereas before I would maybe be like, Oh, sure. I'll do that. Or, you know, like I just didn't have as much discernment around, um, professional or like outside, um, of the homework life stuff. Well, and I love that as you're expanding your capacity to hold all of this stuff, you're also affirming your boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But both are happening at the same time, which totally makes sense. What would you say if you had to kind of boil it down to one big lesson, you know, or, or one kind of thread that has kind of been like the lesson so far of this pregnancy, how could you, what would you boil it down to? I mean, I think more of that will unfold with time, but like, you know, as this pregnancy continues, but I definitely think it's around, um, like cultivating emotional resilience. So just really not pathologizing emotions and actually, you know, allowing them to move through the system. So that has been a huge piece. And then the other part is around, um, yeah, this piece around like allowing things that feel good to feel good, allowing things that are easy to be easy and using that as a resource, like really drawing from that for the other challenging parts of your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm wondering for people who are listening, who are hearing you say, um, you know, not pathologizing your feelings and, and, and who that's kind of a new concept to, can you speak to maybe your process of how you're doing that or, or, um, so I'm sure I'm very sure that there's going to be women that hear that, that are like, I don't even really like, how do you do that? What is, how yeah. do you, yeah. I think like for me, it was just instead of, it was just like this place inside of yourself where it's like, you're starting to feel something, sadness, grief, depression, you know, whatever that you might have an aversion to. And instead of like immediately trying to do something to get yourself out of that. Hmm. Um, instead of immediately like getting the mind involved and being like, why am I thinking this? Like starting to judge the feelings or going immediately to some particular tool to help you get beyond it, just letting it actually be there. So that meant like some days I would just like cry for a while or, um, I would just really let myself be sad if I was sad and like, I wouldn't try to get myself out of that because I knew that I would not like that the next day would be different or that I would naturally come out of that again. I don't know. I mean, it's, it it kind of comes after like a lot of years of doing this work in small doses. And like, this has just been like a culmination point for me for whatever reason that I probably don't know. Well, and having the, the maturity and the kind of allyship to yourself to know that this will pass, I think is really huge because if, you know, like I, I don't have depression, so I can't speak to it personally, but from what I understand about having depression, you know, it's this feeling of hopelessness where you don't actually yeah. believe you're ever going to get out of that funky feeling. And so it's really hard to be in it because it feels uh, infinite, you know, and, and so big. Whereas I think, you know, when you don't have depression, 
um, you know, you can, you know, generate this feeling of um, trust in that your feelings are just feelings <laughs> and that they're all temporary and that they flow in yeah. and out. And, and so then you can have the safety in them where you're really, uh, like you said, like you can really just sit in it and let yourself feel all of it um, with this trust, you know, that, that I think, yeah, is a very mature trust to remember even in the thick of it to know that it'll pass, which gives yeah. you permission to feel it. Yeah, it is really about like not fearing that um, that it's going to swallow me up or something, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that is such the like indoctrinated tendency we have towards emotional life, anyways. It's just like we're afraid if we go too much in one direction, like we're never going to get out of that, you know. So, so run, 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 hide. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And there's so. so much power in going to that that darkness and those depths because that is where some of your deepest truths lie. And 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 there's a huge power in facing your darkness and then coming out of it and then being on the other side of it and being like, oh my gosh, look what I just accomplished. I just faced my fucking demons. I didn't turn away from them. I let myself feel my darkness or whatever it is. Um, and I, I now have the experience again and again and again, or the practice of getting past it, which yeah, of course would just give you so many tools to navigate anything that life throws you. Yeah. And I think you can, you can only, you know, you can only go so far in the direction of joy, like as you're able and willing to go in the direction of, you know, the opposite, Mm -hmm. if you want to call that darkness or sorrow or whatever, it's like that pendulum, like it swings back and forth. Um, we're not perpetually in neutrality. Like you can't have one without the other. So and everyone just numbs out. They're like, I can't do both. And so I'm just going to stay central and numb out. Yeah. 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 So how do you feel moving into your pretty, not too far off in the future, uh, free birth? How does that feel to have kind of made that decision and, and how does it, yeah. Just how does it like feel? I mean, so it feels exciting. great. Like I'm super excited about it. Um, It'll yeah. just be your husband and your boy or what do you Yeah, think? so it'll be my husband and my son and then um I'm considering although I haven't really decided if I'll have like a friend or a doula type person there or at least available. So that would probably be it. Yeah. But awesome. yeah, I mean I'm just feeling really excited about it, honestly. And any any trepidation of having your son there or have you been infused with some really beautiful stories hopefully or how's uh, that well I actually just reached out in the free birth society group about that today so oh, really that's funny get back uh-huh. um but yeah I mean I'm definitely I want him there for sure at least I want him at home um but yeah there's some trepidation just because my husband was like my main support person last time so I'm like I know my son will most likely need support in some way during the <laughs> speak of the devil. <laughs> yeah. During the birth. Um, well, unless it's just a nighttime birth. Yeah, totally. Happens all the time. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's some concern about that, which is mm-hmm. like where a friend could come in to help or totally. something like that. So we'll see. Um, it's not like I'm super worried about it, but that is one thing my husband and I talk about probably the most sure. in preparing for the birth is like, mm-hmm. what are we going to do with little Teo? Mm-hmm. He'll just be there. Yeah. Well, awesome. Yeah. I think this is all really good stuff for people Hi. to chew on and um, 
anything else you want to say before we close? No, I don't think so right now. I mean, I'm just, yeah, I love the work that you're doing. I'm so excited about being in the Rebirth Society group and like learning with the other women. It's and cool, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's great. And I just, um, I'm so, yeah, I'm just so excited to birth again. And hmm. I've really learned so much during this pregnancy and I'm just happy to share really. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool to talk about the work because, you know, I'm sure a lot of women go through this stuff and don't have anywhere to kind of untangle it or process it with, with like-minded women. So, um, I thought this was a cool idea to kind yeah. of track, track your, your process. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. That's it for today, everyone. Join us next week for another episode of the Free Birth Podcast. Thanks for joining us. And remember, your body, your choice. Lots of love.